We're learning more about the tragic capsizing of a duck boat in Missouri last night. A fast-moving storm. Around 30 people were on the boat when it capsized on Table Rock Lake near Branson, a popular tourist. The 2015 crash on the Aurora Bridge in Seattle was just one of many duck boat accidents where people were seriously hurt or killed. And it was one of the deadliest. But the July 2018 duckboat accident in Branson, Missouri, just a few months before the Ride the Ducks trial in Seattle began, is when the country really started watching this whole thing. And now officials in Missouri say 17 people died last night in the duckboat tragedy. The boat took on water in a severe storm. 17 people are confirmed dead after a duckboat carrying tourists and two crew members. The disaster in Branson may be the deadliest duckboat accident in U.S. history, but it was not the first to raise safety concerns. Branson accident was another tragic accident on a duck boat. It was also another tragic accident on a duck boat manufactured by Ride the Ducks International. But this time, because so many people died at once, there were even more questions raised, and more loudly, about the duck boat tour industry as a whole. Among them, where are the regulators in all this? Who's looking at these duck boats? Why does this keep happening? This is Trial Insider Ride the Ducks, a production of Stripmatter Kessler Kohler Moore, the lead law firm representing the plaintiffs in the 2018 Ride the Ducks trial in Seattle. I'm Sarah Bernard. So, duckboat tours have been operating across the US for decades, and they have passed safety inspections and followed safety regulations from a bunch of government agencies. So, why then have there been so many accidents anyway? It seems only after these major tragedies in the past few years that regulators and attorneys and journalists across the country have started putting the pieces together. When it comes to Ride the Ducks International and Ride the Ducks Seattle specifically, both say they were always prioritizing safety and following all the rules. But they weren't. Not all the rules, anyway. In any case, when it comes to government regulation, there are things that can slip through the cracks. The week before this happened, less than a week, I was in Branson. Because Ride the Ducks International was headquartered in Branson, Karen Kohler had gone there in July 2018 to take a few more depositions. It was just a few months before trial. We were taking the final number of depositions of former mechanics and the person that corporate decided should be speaking as to all the final issues. So we ended up uh, taking them in a library, because Branson's very small, a library conference room in downtown Branson on Main Street. It was me and then all the defendants taking this parade of Ride the Ducks witnesses through with yet more lawyers. And during that stay, they, being the attorneys uh, for the defendants, were almost taunting me of not in a negative way. They weren't taunting me like to be mean, but taunting me like to go ride the duck. Here we go. One, two, three. Um, because it's just down the street, they're all over down there. It's a very important uh, part of their tourist 
attraction. It's, it's a real kind of like a ma and pa kind of little tourist destination. With the Branson Bell, all the things you do in Branson besides ride the ducks. Um, it's on this, it looks like a lake, but it's a river. And um, the booth for the ducks is right in the middle of their little main drag. It's very quaint and it's very popular, filled with people. Folks, if you've not been down there to get a chance, I highly recommend y'all check that out. And, you know, I said what I always said, which is I would never get on a duck. Um, and they're disgusting and they're dangerous. I get home, and a few days later, that happens. A severe thunderstorm whipped up the wind and waves that battered the duck boat, which quickly took on water. Anybody that can read me, I need a rope. It made my skin crawl, and I started crying. The amphibious duck boat, rather, went under in near hurricane force winds during a severe storm. This tape is still so hard to watch. I, I watched, because I made myself watch the video from the observers. I didn't want to see it. Oh, no. But I felt like I had to because of this case. I just had to see it and understand the tragedy, the full amount of tragedy, not just limited to my case, but to our society. Watching that boat go down, it was horrible. You don't die immediately. There's no windows on them. There are these pillars that hold up this canopy. And, the pl and the, there's like plastic sheeting that comes down. Uh, and it was all down on the videos. I saw it down. That would have also trapped people in there. When the boat started to sink, the canopy that's on top didn't, wasn't detached very quickly. And so for a period of time, there were 31 people on board who felt they were trapped. When finally that canopy The duck boat that went down in that lake, like the duck boat that crashed in Seattle, was a stretch duck manufactured by Ride the Ducks International. Although today, the Branson operation is owned by Ripley's Entertainment. Ripley's bought it in December 2017. Ride the Ducks International actually sold their assets to Ripley's, believe it or not. And they did it right before this happened. Uh, but it's still their vehicle. They created these vehicles. So Ripley's is the one that allowed it to go out under these circumstances. Severe thunderstorm watch had been in effect for the area since 1120 Thursday morning. The tour began yesterday evening. The owner of the tour company told us the vessel should not have been on the water in those conditions. 31 people on the boat, 17 of them uh, lose their lives, including most of this family of 11. Tia Coleman and her nephew Donovan were the only two survivors of 11 family members total who had gone on the duck boat ride in Branson that day. Shortly afterward, she'd speak to reporters about the horror of the experience. My family really meant everything to me. Just like anybody else with a family, they meant everything to me. Tia and her family not only launched several major lawsuits, but they also launched a national petition. The title... Tell Washington to ban death trap duck boats now. On behalf of Tia Coleman and family, today we are launching a national petition. And they got the attention of then-Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill, who introduced Senate Bill 3301, which would create new amphibious vehicle safety requirements. Permanent action to ban death trap duck boats. 
Senator McCaskill has since been voted out of office. But the new Missouri senator, Josh Hawley, introduced his own very similar bill. And before he was senator, Hawley was Missouri's attorney general. In August of 2018, his office filed its own lawsuit, alleging that the Branson operation had violated the state's consumer protection law by putting profits over safety. The duck boats are death traps. This is a term that several lawyers for victims of these tragedies have used, too. We found those to be a virtual death trap. Well, the duck boats are a death trap, and here's why. They are not fit for either water or land. Duck boats on water take on water too easily. They sink too fast. And when they sink, they have fixed canopies on the top that force the passengers down with the boat. One piece of information that came out after the Branson accident, after the National Transportation Safety Board, or NTSB, came in to do its investigation, like it did in Seattle and like it has done for a number of other duck boat accidents, is that the NTSB had already investigated another very similar accident involving a duck boat in the water in Arkansas years before. The 1999 accident, when 13 people drowned. In 2002, the NTSB determined that the presence of a canopy, that open-air roof that many of these duck boats have, with evenly spaced pillars and plastic sheeting that comes down on the sides, that was a big part of the reason passengers were trapped underwater and couldn't escape. The NTSB recommended adding more flotation capacity and removing canopies, which trapped some of the vehicle's passengers as it sank. The NTSB, during past accidents, has mentioned that canopy as a contributing factor to loss of life. After investigating the Arkansas incident, the NTSB concluded that the canopy was a major impediment to the survival of the passengers. Still, what the NTSB recommended at the time was never widely implemented in duck boats across the country. And rather than doing anything about it, they continued to just sell more tickets. And it wasn't that widely publicized either until now. The former chairman of the National Transportation Safety Board told USA Today he wants duck boat tours banned. He's not alone. Even those not calling for a complete ban still say something needs to change. The Coast Guard kept giving the boats the green light. Also, the boat that sank was inspected and passed the inspection from the Coast Guard last year. And those recommendations from the NTSB, they were just recommendations anyway. That's one of the reasons why victims especially are still asking questions. Why have these not changed? Why haven't the, you know, 20 years ago they told them, you need to do something about the canopy. It happens again and again and again, and it's just something, something needs to be done. I think the companies should have their ass suit off of them, and every penny they have made should be returned to every victim that's ever lost their lives in this. I can't get that back. I can't get any of that back. But the only thing that will make this... that will make this better is that no other family has to go through what I went through. Especially since it's something that could be fixed. Right now, a 17-member federal investigative team is in Seattle. Within days of the 2015 crash in Seattle, the NTSB was already on the ground doing its investigation. Investigators with the National Transportation Safety Board will be heading to the scene. Like it does for a lot of major traffic accidents and a lot of duck boat accidents. 
NTSB officials say this team is larger than normal. They say it's the type of vehicles involved that made them send a bigger team. The purpose of our investigation is not to understand just what happened, but also why it happened and to issue safety recommendations which will prevent the accident from occurring again. The NTSB officially determined in a January 2017 report that the cause of the accident was in fact a fracture in the axle housing on Duck Boat 6. It blamed Ride the Ducks International for improper manufacturing and Ride the Ducks Seattle for inadequate maintenance. And it determined that the structure of the duck boat contributed to the severity of everyone's injuries. Its findings are summarized in a long list of safety recommendations. Meanwhile, NHTSA, the federal agency that monitors safety recalls, had also shown up to take a look at Ride the Ducks International. And NHTSA also came back with some damning findings. In December 2016, it issued fines of up to a million dollars against Ride the Ducks International. It found that the company had a total of 11 violations of the National Traffic and Motor Vehicle Safety Act, a law that's been around since 1966. And it created a long list of requirements that Ride the Ducks International needed to complete to come into compliance. Those included hiring a team of engineers to look over that collar fix, that fix that they had recommended in the 2013 service bulletin, a fix that they had developed themselves without hiring engineers or doing any high-level testing. Not engineers, right? No, they're not engineers. They did no... Am I correct? They did no forensic analysis of how the vehicle fractured on July 2013. Am I correct? They did no forensic analysis, no engineering study, nothing technical at all. Am I right? I don't know if I would agree nothing technical, but I think you're right that there were no um, uh, engineering analyses done. There are actually a lot of things that most other vehicle manufacturers in the United States these days always do that Ride the Ducks International never did. Here's Ride the Ducks founder Robert McDowell again. Was there any studies done to determine what forces would uh, be exerted on passengers in the event of a collision with another vehicle on the road? No. Were there any studies to determine whether or not the seats that were installed on the duck boats were adequate uh, in the event of a collision with another vehicle on the road? No. Did you consult with <coughs> any vehicle manufacturers regarding crashworthiness of the duck vehicles? No. Did you ever, after you, whether during or after working uh, in the Ride the Ducks operation, consider or discuss or recommend Magnaflux testing to, to reveal hidden cracks in axles on amphibious vehicles? No. Essentially, just like toying with a car in your garage. That's Andrew Ackley again, another lead attorney for the plaintiffs in the Seattle trial. And that's, that's like what they were doing, except they were sending out vehicles that people were riding five tours a day and 30 people per tour, millions of people all over the country every year riding in these vehicles, and there was no professional standard met. That's been, I mean, the federal motor vehicle safety standards have been around for decades, 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 and they're minimum standards. And 
these were not, uh, you know, race car, uh, you know, personal race car, personal joyride type vehicles. These were for the public, and they impacted people who had no uh, say in whether or not they were even on the same road with them. The basic idea, of course, behind NHTSA, behind all of these federal regulations, is to prevent accidents like these. And they, and, and if they had been involved, uh, they probably would have taken similar action to what they did after they found out about this. Uh, which is to actually require engineering and a recall, uh, a, a, a true recall, not a, a delegation, a you-go-fix-it uh, document, which is what the, the service bulletin seemed to be. Which, of course, had good intentions. Former President Chris Hershen testified that he believed Ride the Ducks International's own version of the federal recall system, the service bulletin system, was good enough. Better even. Certainly, I felt like our service bulletin was in the spirit of the recall process, exactly what NHTSA wants. We communicated broadly, quickly, repeatedly. In fact, we communicated more than NHTSA requires, a lot more. But in October 2013, when Ride the Ducks International sent out that service bulletin about the collar fix, unlike what might have happened through the federal recall process, they didn't include anywhere in that document that it was a serious safety issue. My question was, your October 2013 service bulletin did not describe a safety risk at all, am I correct? I, I agree that the service bulletin lacked the specificity that the recall notice included. It did not describe a safety risk at all, am I correct? Yes, yes, Period. Yes, yes, yes. No, I think that's consistent with my last entry, right? And again, not only did the service bulletin not describe the safety risk, the axle repair it did describe didn't involve the kind of testing and engineering that's often required to make a vehicle safe. What analysis was done from an engineering perspective at that time to find out why that happened? Uh, to my knowledge, the analysis was all sort of in-house. It was our team scratching their heads about it, like I said earlier, and trying to figure out what caused it. And in this case... According to them, they are the most knowledgeable people about ducks in the world because they've worked on them so long. And so in their mind, that was good enough. That was better than an engineer. And we really thought that our team here was a great shop, good mechanics, people who knew what they were doing. Well, I think, again, we relied on the team's judgment. We had an awesome team with lots of experience. To me, the most important thing was that the people I trusted the most and the most experience with these vehicles were satisfied. It was a good, it was a good process, in my opinion, and it led to a result here that I don't think, uh, I'm not sure what I would have done differently. And here's Brian Tracy again, CEO of Ride the Duck Seattle. You know, in the amphibious vehicle business at the time when I started the company, there were only three of the three amphibious vehicle companies in, in the United States. So there was no school you could go to to learn how to run an amphibious vehicle business. Um, and actually, there's no certificate or degree you can get in that. I don't think the laws of physics change whether a vehicle is amphibious or otherwise. It's just pure arrogance. They're just auditing themselves and they're not, they're just, you know, they're not engineers. Neither one of those guys are experts in terms of being engineers, am I correct? Not engineers, right? No, they're not engineers. They didn't have a safety audit through an engineering firm, right? So let's say that you don't conduct engineering in the building of the vehicle. 
there's still other opportunities to check the soundness of your vehicles, your ancient vehicles, and they didn't. Um, and that's that's one of the plans that's now implemented, um, that they have to have um, some of these specialty examination tools. So they're not engineers. And before these major accidents, they didn't usually consult with any either. But it's not that the ride the ducks companies didn't check in with whatever regulators they thought they had to check in with. The governing bodies would inspect us on an annual basis, and that's who would give us their report after the, with their findings. In fact, both Chris Hershen and Brian Tracy testified that they had a whole lot of regulators coming in all the time. We had lots of mechanics. We had lots of independent folks come through the shops. We had regulators. We had Howard Patrol. We had state DOT. We had people crawling all over the vehicles from tip to tail. It was lots of people who looked at it. And of course, there are regulations they followed. For example, no boat can go out on the water at all, and certainly not carrying paying passengers, without regular safety inspections from the Coast Guard. Our company and each duck is inspected by the U.S. Coast Guard on a regular basis. Ride the Duck Seattle said in a statement its safety protocols were developed in collaboration with the Coast Guard. And there are state agencies involved when it comes to road safety. Ride the Duck Seattle had been complying with the Washington Utilities and Transportation Commission inspections and getting clean records for years. Theoretically, again, all of these agencies, the Coast Guard, the state regulatory agencies, the federal ones, all of them are in place to help prevent accidents. But it was only after the major accident in 2015 that the UTC accused Ride the Duck Seattle of 463 violations of state motor vehicle safety rules and laws. In spring 2016, the company admitted fault and agreed to pay over $200,000 in fines. I think tragedy gets people out of their chairs. I, I, that, that's, I, I don't know what has been going on at the UTC. I, I know that they, um, they issued a very thorough report uh, in this case on Ride the Ducks Seattle. But I also think that there's, there's jurisdictional divides that are, are real. And the Washington UTC uh, can't and won't legislate or, or adjudicate manufacturing. Meanwhile, the U.S. Coast Guard is often considered the primary regulator of duck boats. And both the Ride the Ducks companies have usually gotten high marks there. They said, oh, well, we are approved by the Coast Guard, as if that was good enough, right, because these are amphibious vehicles. But they go on the roadway. I mean, that was the missing link here, that you had the Coast Guard involved. And the duck people were all about the boat part because that's their their moneymaker, right? I mean, otherwise they can just own a bus, uh, get some vans and take people on a tour. Their moneymaking was was on the water. Uh, The missing link was the manufacturing. And, And the local governments are just typically not involved in manufacturing. And there's another layer to all of this. Because amphibious vehicles are, in the grand scheme of things, rare, the different agencies that have historically been checking them for safety are all over the place, literally. 
there are not only different state and local rules, and not only different rules for the road and for the water, but the design of the vehicles ultimately doesn't do an A-plus safety job for either land or water. The open-air canopy that can trap people when the boat sinks, for instance, is the same open canopy that allowed the passengers on Duck 6 to be ejected from the vehicle entirely when it crashed on the bridge. 11 people were dumped out of the vehicle upon impact. There were 11 people ejected onto pavement. That was a real big focus of the NTSB because that should never happen in a vehicle. Both Ride the Ducks International and Ride the Ducks Seattle have often said, look, there have been a lot of years, a lot of boats, a lot of people on them, lots of times where nothing went wrong. We've done over 30 years and millions of passengers and hundreds of thousands, millions of trips uh, without even a wet shoelace. They'll often say they go above and beyond for safety. We do everything to ensure the safety of the public. These, the Coast Guard here in Seattle has actually said that we have the safest ducks in the country. But even if millions of people went home happy, it's true that these boats have a gigantic fatality rate. At least 43 people have died in the past two decades of their operation in the U.S. and Canada, not to mention the dozens and dozens who sustained major injuries. And that's with the active operation of a few hundred duck boats. And when it comes to stretch ducks specifically, which again are the duck boats involved in the major accident in Seattle, the major accident in Branson, and several other minor accidents, including that time in 2013 when a wheel fell off during a tour, when it comes to stretch ducks, you have an axle failure rate that is also, relatively speaking, incredibly high. So there were 57 stretch ducks that were manufactured, and there were five known failures prior to this incident. That's the incident in Seattle. Which is an almost 10% failure rate, which is astronomical compared to um, almost any automotive manufacturer that exists. So there were five axle fractures of the left front axle housing on stretch ducks before this incident that we know about. So when one of them involved a fully loaded tour where the wheel sheared almost completely off uh, during the tour, that's a really huge number of axle fractures, fractures in the exact same way, in the exact same place, on a product line of only 57. And when you compare it to one, two, or, or a few vehicles out of an entire fleet of several hundred thousand that a company like GM would manufacture, uh, that would cause them to take a, a significant engineering look at it, uh, Ride the Ducks International simply didn't come anything close to that standard here. So there are standards, there are laws, and the duck boat companies didn't meet them. There are also some standards that they did meet, and this still happened, more than once. Of course, it's not like every trip resulted in a catastrophic tragedy, or even half the trips, or a third, or a quarter. Obviously, duck boats wouldn't be so popular. They wouldn't survive if they were deadlier than they are. But risk is just that. Risk. It only takes, it only takes one. And, that, and that, you know, this was one crash. It was a single axle failure, killed five people and injured 60 plus. 
it only takes one. And they knew that. Every, I mean, any, anybody, anybody who's driven a car knows that if your axle fractures and your wheel falls off, you've got a serious problem. And they knew that that was a risk. Both the duck defendants knew that was a risk. Trial Insider, Ride the Ducks, is a production of Strip Matter, Kessler, Kohler, Moore, the lead law firm representing the plaintiffs in the 2018 Ride the Ducks trial in Seattle. Representatives from Ride the Ducks Seattle and Ride the Ducks International declined to comment for this podcast. This episode was produced by me, Sarah Bernard, and the story editor was Whitney Henry Lester. Engineering help from Mike Todd. Music in this episode was by Jazar and Kevin McLeod, and our theme music is by The Insider. Special thanks to the team at Strip Matter Kessler Kohler Moore, who helped make this case happen. Karen Kohler, Andrew Ackley, Jessica McClure, Debbie Watt, Garth Jones, Melanie Nguyen, Lisa Benedetti, Mike Todd, Ryan Monahan, Brad Moore, and Patty Sims. And a huge thanks to the co-counsel, who also helped make this case happen. Tim Loringer, Alex Chun, Richard Benedetti, Matt Dubin, Arthur Laritz, Melissa Carter, Bradley Johnson, Brian Krikorian, Doug Phillips, Anthony Marsh, Dan Williams, Zhangwan Yi, Jeff Hightower, David Rovang, David Kim, Patrick Kang, Chris Jackman, and Bohan Decker. To learn more about the Ride the Ducks trial, visit stripmatter.com. And to listen to all of the episodes in the series, visit stripmatter.com slash podcast or search for Trial Insider Ride the Ducks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or most places you get podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.